Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. This week, I want to talk a little bit more about plot. So I had got a call from Taylor last week, and it was interesting because of the use of the word plot. I made the podcast about language because I thought it was interesting how that language definitely means something, right? It's important. And one of the uh, Discord members, Aaron, said, well, I thought you were going to talk more about why plot might be good or bad or whatever. And uh, I thought, well, yeah, I probably should have done that. <laughs> so here we are this week. Aaron, I'm going to talk a little bit about plot. So why is plot a dirty word? Why do we consider plot a dirty word? And is it really? So I'm going to take it from a couple of different point of views. And I think a lot of it has to do with how we use plot in the game. And I also think that it's different between being a character and a, or I should say a player, and a dungeon master, how we see these things. So first of all, I think most people, so let's get some definitions going on here. I think when most people think of a plot, they think of something like a movie or a book where you know how it starts, you know what's going to happen in the middle, and you know how it ends. You know everything. You know all that's going to go on. This is a plot, and for many people playing a role-playing game, they think, well, that's no good. Now, there are variations of this, obviously. Like, for instance, you might play something like a role-playing game video game, right, where there's a, it's very linear, right, and there is a plot. Basically, there's something going on, and you're going to solve it, and that's the game, right? If you don't play, you can't ultimately do, you could run around, I guess, and just kill minions, but ultimately, if you want to move forward in the game, you have to solve the things to solve the plot, to get to the end, to fight the monster. That's what you got to do. And there are linear ventures in RPGs, and we've talked before about railroad versus linear versus all this, but I think when people use the word plot, they lean a lot more towards this railroad idea where it's like, you really don't have a choice. These are the things that's going to happen. And most people, especially GMs, do not like that. And what I mean by that is that many GMs do it, right? So obviously I'm saying that, but when we philosophize, when we're here, oh, we're expounding on what makes a great adventure, we're going to say, don't do that. Don't do that. Let the players make the story, which is how I like to roll. And I'm totally for that. But there is this argument, and I think it's a pretty sound one, that some players like to be in a plot, like to be in a railroad. They like to see things happen they want to know what's going to happen. They just like to press the buttons, let's say. So they're fine playing their character. They know that at this stage, this is going to happen. You can cut them from scene to scene where they fight monsters. They have these interactions and they just know it's going to happen. They don't want to make any choice outside what is part of the plot. They know they have to start in the forest, then go to the castle, then go to the tower, then go to the the final boss's caverns and fight them. And they they're okay with that. They're totally fine with that as long as they get to make some decisions in the middle. I don't think that it is necessarily a bad thing to run something like this. And I will give an example of a much beloved property, which is being rebooted, and I'm sure I'll get calls about that, um, Dragonlance. This module that came out in the 80s, and I have most of the series, I did not play them back then, and this is first edition Dungeons & Dragons, right? We're not talking about third edition or modern D&D or all says this is first edition Dungeons and Dragons. The first module in Dragonlance is 100% a step-by-step -step plot. So much to the point that one of the characters that you're supposed to play, the pregens, you can't even start the adventure. You have to wait until the other characters get to the point where they meet you, which means they have to get to that point. It is a plot. You must follow this plot. 
And people love that series so much so that there's a whole bunch of modules, right? And like I said, they're rebooting it. Is this how I like to play? No, I don't. I do not like to have a plot in that way. However, I do use plots. And let me explain how I do it. And perhaps this might be useful to you running your games. When I am creating an adventure, what I do personally, and I'm not talking about a location-based adventure like a dungeon crawl. I'm talking about a event-based look adventure, something where some there's a quest, right? What I do is I think about what's happening. So let's say, for instance, there is a village. This village is being raided by bandits. Uh, you know, the bandits come into town there. They're extracting a tax, let's say. Well, the village is having trouble paying the tax because, of course, bandits, you know, they take a little bit, then they take a little bit more, and they take a little bit more. And what ends up happening is then people aren't coming to the village because they know there's bandits around, so then the innkeeper doesn't have any money. So now the village is in trouble, and so the bandit leader takes hostages. A classic example would be the mayor's son or daughter or something like that, right? They take them as a hostage. They're going to, whatever, make them work for them as, uh, you know, enslave them or something, or maybe hold them for a bigger ransom. Maybe they think that the mayor can go to the the king or whoever, you know, depending on your, your setup, to get more money because it's a hostage situation now. And if they don't do it, let's say they're like, nope, we're not going to do that. The, the king's not going to help us. Nobody can help us. The 10 zero level, you know, guys in the village that have pitchforks go after the bandits. They get slaughtered. The bandits kill the hostage or take them, enslave them, whatever. And they move on because the village gets burned down and all everything's gone. So I come up with this whole thing in my head. That's a plot of a story. What makes it an RPG is where we drop the adventurers in. You could do it any number of places. You could start the adventure in the tavern, right, in the village, where the players are stopping to get some knowledge to go to some cave to loot, right? In there, they see some bandits being a little bit wild. Maybe they're causing some issues in the bar. Maybe there's a fist fight. Whatever, they see that foreshadowed. They go off and do their adventure. They come back. The town is like, oh, you, you probably don't want to stay here because the bandits have you know, raided us. You've been gone for three weeks. And since then, they've kidnapped the mayor's daughter, blah, blah. The mayor finds out the player characters are in town, comes back, sees their successful adventurers, offers them some kind of a reward if they can get the, the son or daughter back. The player characters go, they defeat the bandits, they bring them back. They have changed the story. That's what an RPG does, right? But what we want to do is we want to place the characters into an ongoing plot. So I'm not saying that you want to figure out every step along the way. What you want to do is think about what would logically happen if the PCs weren't there. Then drop the players into that situation and let them do or don't right let's say that you start it later they come to the village who's fearful of them because they've been raided by bandits they hear rumors that the the mayor's son has been kidnapped and they want a ransom the mayor offers them some gold they're like no we have this treasure map we're going over here whatever they move on they come back to the village after going to the dungeon maybe to get you know to rest up because they're all beat up and who's in the village but a bunch of bandits who've burned it down who now attack the player characters or maybe the village is gone it's burnt down whatever whatever logically makes sense they didn't involve themselves in that, that plot i think what's important here is just like with set pieces and i've talked about this a bunch of times in my personal opinion i don't believe that we should invest too much in any particular thing what we want to do is when i say that i mean like details what we want to do is create a bunch of these plot lines that are going all over the place and allow the PCs 
through their own agency to cross these plot lines. When they do, they create a divergence, right? They create a different situation. What would have happened no longer happens, probably, because the player characters get involved. This is how I use plots. I don't say there's a camp of bandits, there's a village, the mayor, you know, hires the PCs to rescue the sun, and that's all I have. No, I, I think about what's been going on. Have the bandits been raiding constantly, or is this something new? Is the, the village broke now because the bandits have been raiding, or do they are they flush with cash? Can the PCs just be like, you know what, you should give them the money, we'll bring it, we'll be like go-between, right? There's lots of different ways this can roll, depending on how I create this plot. And what we need to do is we need to have in our mind what will happen if the player characters do not get involved. And what will happen if they do get involved, but don't, let's say, complete the mission. That is to say, let's say they come into town and they stop the bandits from capturing the mayor's son because they're in town that day. Then they go off on their adventure. Do they get followed into the woods by the bandits? Do the bandits come back and capture the son? Or do they now have a place to stay whenever they need it because they've rescued him and they've given them, you know, they, they told them to paint all the buildings red, and, you know, whatever, right? So, you know, you can look at this so many different ways and this is what makes the role-playing game amazing. It doesn't mean that we don't need or want plots. It means that we cannot be tied down by them. We need these logical plot lines. We need these things moving around in our worlds to make them feel lived in and what we need to do is make sure we're willing to adjust and shift the, quote, plot when the player characters get there. Because at that point, now it's all improv and the plot goes wherever the plot goes, right? Well, that's what I think about plot. What do you think? You can call the show. Check. There's a link in the show notes to Anchor. You can also join my Discord also in the show notes and just send me a direct message there. On that note, I have a few calls. Okay, we've got two callers this week, the Pink Phantom from Phantom Thoughts and Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I actually, uh, Jason, I apologize, I guess, I chopped your call in half because you cover the same two topics that Pink Phantom covers in his two separate calls. So I'm going to do the two calls on plot first, and then we have two calls on the curses and like spell versus spell, and then I will kind of reply back to all of it. Hey, Daniel, the Pink Phantom here. Uh, just listened to your episode about, you know, why is plot a dirty word in the OSR? I think I think the main issue that a lot of OSR folks have with plot is just the notion that, that there are predefined paths that they have to travel because it's, you know, that whether you're talking hex crawls or procedural generated dungeons or, or just a freeform kind of way of play, that the OSR rulings over rules, they they don't like a lot of a rigidity to their to their process. I don't know if that's what Taylor has in mind when he says he doesn't like plot based curses. I mean, it could just be he doesn't like curses that are you know tied into some vast character background because that's also something that seems to be inimical to the OSR. <laughs> hey, Daniel, enjoyed your latest podcast. Uh, I I don't think plot is a dirty word. I think. It depends. I think you can still do a whole lot of randomness and a whole lot of world exploration, sandbox play, and still have some overarching plots in your game. I, I think the key is that they're in the background, 
And if the players want to engage with them, they can. If they don't want to engage with them, they don't have to. So now it might be to their, you know, might not work out to their benefit if they don't engage with them, right? <laughs> you, you know, if that evil sorcerer takes over the land, they might not want to be living in that land anymore. But it, it's one of those things. You, as long as you give the player the choices, I don't think the plot's that big of a deal. And especially if you're operating in a looser, looser game anyway. Pink Phantom again. Uh, I also really enjoyed listening, hearing you talk about remove curse and, you know, kind of how, how in older school versions there were different percent chances depending on the relative levels of who was casting the curse and who was casting remove curse. I've always thought there's certain spells that should have that kind of granularity, remove curse being one of them, dispel magic, which you mentioned being one of them. I think detect magic, identify should be, should be one of them. And, and, uh, you know, fifth edition does somewhat of that with counterspell where the counterspell has to be, you have to cast it two levels above to automatically counter the other spell. Otherwise there's a, there's a die roll involved to see whether you can, you can actually counter it or not, but to get the automatic, you have to be a certain amount above so that you can overpower the spell there. I think there are more spells that should be like that especially in OSR type situations. As far as curses go, I think that's a great way to do it if you need the PCs to be able to do a curse. As you know, I'm more of a kind of a sword and sorcery guy, and I don't have a problem with some things being restricted to NPCs. So I think maybe curses would be restricted to NPCs. And so at that point, the you have to come up with mechanics, but you don't have to explain it as well. Um like you talk about, if, if if a god curses a character, a god curses somebody in the world, then, you, you know, they, they're not following the same rules as the PCs. But I think Dispel Magic's a really good way to model that if if you have the desire to do so. So, and, and you, you know, I'm, I'm with you on the hit locations. Cyberpunk does use hit locations. It doesn't have hit points per area, though. It doesn't use hit points. It has a wound system. And the more wounds you take, the harder it is to make your stun... Um, shock save, and then once you hit a certain point, you, you're more, the wounds are mortal, and then you're making death saves. So you don't even have hit points in Cyberpunk, but it definitely does do hit locations. Um, anyway, I will talk to you later. Take care, and I hope you get feeling better soon. Okay, so once again, that was the Pink Phantom and uh, Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So, right, they're saying much of the same things that I said. I probably should have just played those instead of <laughs> talking for 10 minutes uh, about plot right it, it's kind of like why you might think it that way how it could be and i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing i guess i was being a little clickbaity <laughs> when i said it last time but it's funny how some words do set set some people off i don't know if that's really the right way to say it. it's not like taylor actually was upset by it actually taylor had written me too and said that uh he had a second call which even which i have even worse audio so he didn't send that one where he was kind of it kind of said what I said, which is uh, he didn't like the word, but he understood what I meant. What he what he actually said, though, which I thought was interesting, was that the idea of the player saying it makes it seem like the players think there's a plot. And maybe that's not a good idea because then they'll probably operate in a certain way. So I do think that's kind of important. You don't want if you're trying to run a sandboxy kind of campaign and one that's uh, or any kind of campaign, really, that the players are not kind of. Um, air quoting here, required to go a certain way. I think you do want to make that clear. You don't want them to think that because you use the word plot that they're just like, well, we have to do this because it's essential. So, you know, that's just my general thoughts on that. As far as the 
spells and the curses and stuff. Yeah, I think that that in the end, right, especially in OSR games, but really in any game, except I, I think, and again, I'm no expert on this, so those who are more experts can call in. My understanding is one of the moves towards rules for everything happened during the third edition phase where they kind of wanted the player characters and the world to operate with the same set of rules. I think many people in the OSR sphere, we'll call it, don't necessarily think that's the case. <laughs> so I remember when I was running fifth edition and I had a player that was like, oh, well, this thing is this way and we know that he's this level warlock because of what he did earlier. So we know he can only do this. So there's no way that could be this. And I just told him out of game. I said, listen, monsters and NPCs don't operate the same way PCs do, just so you know. And it didn't change anything to thwart their plan. I mean, I think that's in some games where that is the case, then I consider that player skill. I've talked about that before. If the game does have very fixed rules and is like meta mechanics and stuff, using them is part of player skill in my mind. Knowing that a warlock, especially if you are a warlock or some other kind of magic user, would only have, you know, so much spell capacity is fine. You know, I don't I don't think that's a, a problem at all. I think most of us, if we saw a we're playing D and D and the enemy magic user throws a fireball. Well, you know that they're at least at a level that can throw a fireball, so you know they're pretty high level. So depending on where you are in the levels, you can make the decision if you want to continue to fight that magic user or not, right? So I think meta mechanic is, or meta thought in that sense, wow, I just went to a totally different subject. But <laughs> I think that's okay. So anyways, as far as curses go, I do almost think, I mean, you can play an evil character and, and use the spell curse. So this is actually really interesting, and I would love to hear what the people think about this, that that play OD&D or whatever, it seems to imply in the original three books, now I'm not so sure about Greyhawk for the young kids and stuff, that some spells are reversible for clerics. That is, they're underlined, they say they're reversible. But it seems to imply those spells are, are the reverse spells are available to the evil clerics, and the non-reversed of them are not. And that's how I play. That is to say that if you are an evil cleric in my game, you cannot cast Cure Light Wounds. You can cast Cause Light Wounds. If you are a good cleric, you cannot cast Cause Light Wounds. But I like the idea that evil clerics cast darkness and good clerics cast light. I almost forgot to the Pink Phantom as far as the more spells should be like that kind of back and forth thing. I really like that as well. And if we look back at the history a bit, right, to Chainmail, that is in fact the case. Chainmail wizards can counterspell uh, any spell, just basically says they can counterspell. It takes their turn, and the chance of them doing it is based on their relative power to the other wizard. So I think that's something that's really interesting and something that you could very easily throw into your game. You could say, you know, if you want to counterspell, you can do that. It takes your turn and you got to roll. If you fail, obviously you did nothing that turn. <laughs> um, so it's kind of an interesting thing. It could just be real simple to add. And it does, in fact, in my unchained game, my hack, basically, the seer, that's one of their main powers is the counter spell. And we found it to be incredibly powerful, more powerful really than being able to cast spells because I allowed it to be used against pretty much any magical effect, right? So some magical trap goes off or uh, explosive runes, the seer can cast that uh, that counter spell and stop it, you know, provided they roll high enough. So I like that. And in fact, something I'm probably going to just add in generally to my magic user repertoire as far as my game is concerned. As I mentioned before, if you'd like to call in and let me know what you think about these subjects or any other subject, you can find a link to the uh, anchor page in the show notes. 
You can also join my Discord or find me on Discord. I'm on the Clerics Wear Ringmail and the Audio Dungeon Discord, as well as my own. Again, link in the show notes. And there's also a link to my Patreon. If you'd like to support the podcast that way, I would appreciate it. In any case, I will talk to you soon.